Hello and welcome to the cfphysio.com and CF Strong Collaboration podcast series. My name is Jen Hauser. I'm a physiotherapist with almost 20 years experience in cystic fibrosis care and the project lead for cfphysio.com. Together with CF Strong, we have joined forces to bring to the CF community real-life insights and personal experiences on all things physiotherapy and CF. CFphysio.com is a not-for-profit organisation striving to deliver evidence-based education in CF physiotherapy management to healthcare workers and individuals impacted by CF. CF Strong is a website designed to inform, educate and empower adults impacted by CF through the sharing of individuals' personal journeys of living with CF. We hope you find some value from listening to the podcasts we bring to you in this series. Please remember the content is not intended to replace your usual healthcare. Please discuss any concerns or questions you may have with your healthcare team. Hello and welcome back. I am feeling very grateful today to have the two people in the studio that I have. We are covering a topic that I feel is a little bit uh, silent and often doesn't get the spotlight that it should. Uh, So as I said, gratitude is the word for today's session because I am very grateful to have Sam with us. Sam is a senior physiotherapist in the community with a specialty in falls and balance. He's married and he has a baby son, Caleb, who's nine and a half months old. He's a keen exerciser and he's engaged in tough mudder, amongst other high-intensity pursuits. And just to add a little bit more to his juggle in life, he's also an assistant pastor at his local church. And I haven't forgotten, but Sam also has cystic fibrosis. So he's here in the studio today uh, with his physio, Robin Cobb, to share with us a little bit about his journey in fatherhood uh, and managing that juggle of work, life and health balance, uh, navigating all of those journeys. So Robin is a senior physiotherapist of the Adult Cystic Fibrosis Centre at the Prince Charles Hospital in Brisbane with 20 years of cystic fibrosis clinical experience. Robin has chaired the Queensland Cystic Fibrosis Physiotherapy Subgroup and was on the working party that developed a clinical practice guideline for physiotherapy for CF in Australia and New Zealand. She's an executive member of cfphysio.com and a sessional lecturer for University of Queensland, including physiotherapy use of non-invasive ventilation. So Rob and Sam, I am really looking forward to sitting back and having a listen, as I know everyone else will be. So I'm going to just hand it over to both of you and uh, I'll come and join you at the end. Thanks so much, Jen, for that introduction. I am so excited to have the opportunity to introduce Sam to you today. Sam's agreed to talk with me about the experience of preparing to have a baby and manage the juggling act, as Jen said, once a new baby arrives. Thanks so much, Sam, for joining me today to share your experience. So before we get started, It might be good to know a little bit about you starting way back when you were a child and what it looked like for you as a child with cystic fibrosis in your family. G'day, Robin. Thank you for the opportunity to come on here uh, and to everybody listening. Uh, I had an interesting uh, childhood growing up because my older brother also had cystic fibrosis. And so I was in the very privileged position that anything I went through, my brother went through it before me. So I wasn't braving the new world and being scared about all, by all these new things. He went there first and 
paved the way. So that made my life so much easier. And I'm very grateful to, to my brother for, for doing that. Um, we're also very blessed because both my parents are nurses, were nurses, they just retired. And uh, my mother actually worked on a cystic fibrosis kids ward immediately prior to um, my brother being born. And obviously they didn't know that he had CF. So we were, um, as much as really anybody, um, in a, an amazing position that we were very, very well looked after by our parents um, with that extra knowledge. And so our childhood uh, was full of chest physio, um, nebulizers, all the treatments and such, um, and the medications. But I also know that all growing up, I never thought that I was sick. I always thought I was just a normal kid who had something on the side and just had to do these few extra things. But otherwise, I actually just really lived a normal life, um, played a heap of sport and uh, did just about everything the other kids did. So I feel really blessed from my upbringing, both to my parents and my older brother. It's so interesting you say that, Sam, um, because what I've experienced as a clinician is invariably those that thrive are those that actually had parents that just, like you said, this was normal to you and fitting in your CF management was just a part of life. It wasn't a definition of you. Mm. It was part of what you had to do. And I just find that is so wonderful that your parents had that foresight and knowledge as you said they were nurses but having a big brother who paved the way for you as well yeah there are so many things that helped you evolve but one thing that I do know is sport has been a passion as long as I have known you and you talked about your nebulizers and you talked about your airway clearance and you talked about percussion and vibes but you didn't actually talk about the part that has played what I perceive to be a huge part in your life. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into your sport? Yeah, it's a good question. So my parents threw me into sport as a kid and I loved it. Anything with a ball in it, I was um, on the go. I wasn't particularly good, um, but I think I made up for my lack of skill and ability with passion and I put in 110%. It was actually funny, you guys would know, CF kids, you know, fail to thrive and don't necessarily get as big or grow as early. And I um, I actually didn't go through puberty until very, very late. And I was tiny, I was this tiny kid and I'd be running around playing sport against, you know, these guys who already had beards and were men. And then there'd be this little kid running around, <laughs> running around trying to compete with them but I think that was also character building. But then as I got older, I just became uh, more and more uh, committed to playing sport, but not just sport, to personal fitness as well. It started out with playing sports, but then I just started to, to exercise more on my own as well. And now I don't know what it was. I just thought I just realised I knew it was really, really important and so I went from playing sports like uh, uh, competitive soccer, rugby, um, and then uh, oh, cricket, and then later on doing some boxing as well. But then 
in my personal time, I took up running. Um, so I've run uh, four half marathons. Um, I haven't quite got to the stage of doing a full marathon yet. I, I'm struggling to find the time to um, to, to train for it, but uh, it is one day I'd like to. Um, and I also took up weights, uh, probably because of my insecurity that I was so darn tiny uh, and everybody else was bigger than me. So I was like, oh, I better try and put on some weight. And so I did what started doing weights as well. And and now I'm at the point just over time of being more and more committed to it that uh, I exercise every day of my life. Um, I, I take off Christmas Day. I didn't exercise the day that Caleb was born. And I didn't exercise uh, one of the days I caught COVID and felt like um, super sick. But apart from that, I exercise every day pretty much of my life and in a mix of aerobic resistance and high intensity stuff. And uh, I think I'm probably at the point now that I'm addicted to it and that if I don't exercise, uh, I actually feel terrible in myself. So that helps keep me motivated, I think. Yeah. And you brought up such an interesting point with the fact that you said I was one of the little ones. Yeah, it was tiny. Yeah. It would have been so easy for you at that stage to go, this is too hard, mm. but you persisted. So what helped you to persist? Because this is a challenge for many young boys with cystic fibrosis. What do you think helped you to persist? Um, that's a really good question. I haven't thought of that before. Um, I think part of it, because all of my friends were playing sport, it really wasn't an option to not. And I also don't like losing or being really bad at something. So I just, from that perspective, I, I just persisted so that I could be with my mates but not be, a, uh, I could compete with them as well. Um, that was part of it. I think just the knowledge that, you know, I looked around at some of my CF friends and I saw how unfit they were. I just knew I didn't want to be that unfit, sick kid. I think part of my identity in how I viewed myself and defined myself in my own mind became I want to be the fit guy and not just amongst you know, a cystic fibrosis population, I want to be fit amongst every one of my friends so that everybody thinks that I'm fit. And I think that became ingrained in my identity. That is actually how I sort of um, identify myself now, uh, in, in, just in the way that I, I think of myself. So it's it's there, it's set in stone now and um, as part of who I am. But to get to your question, I think it was probably starting with the friendship groups that I was around and then gradually choosing the type of person that I wanted to be and then working towards that until that became a reality and I was able to identify myself as that. Um, I, I do think that there was a specific choice that I made to say I will be a fit person and I'm going to work towards it. And it wasn't easy. Like I remember the first time I went for a run, um, James Walsh, shout out to James, good old James. The first time I went for a run, uh, I went with him. He got me on the treadmill and I ran a kilometre and I was toast, like I was done. And then within a few years I was running a half marathon and um, competing against James Walsh. And, James, I hope you were listening. 
I competed against you at the Bridge to Brisbane and I beat you. Do you remember? I beat you. <laughs> at Australian no. For those who don't know, James Walsh is also a physiotherapist at the Prince Charles Hospital. <laughs> and a rockin' good guy. <laughs> Okay, so we digress a little. Yeah, just a little. But you very much identified what I think is the essence of striving to achieve and having goals in life. And that is something which is rare. And you very much uh, put a lot of us to shame as well. But you've never given up on that drive and that passion. And so what I can see is you've pulled that together and that personal dedication, um, that's got nothing to do with cystic fibrosis. That has so much to do with family, mm. with friends, with support mm. of, of and with your faith obviously as well too. So I think in that space it is incredible but we also now need to have a little look at the more boring side of physio and we've talked about your exciting part of physio. So you talked about your inhalations and your airway clearance and this is a question I often ask our young physios. How much time do you believe people dedicate to their inhaled medications and airway clearance in a day? So if you could just go through that with us about what that part of your life looks like. And then we can talk about your combination of time, three things that you dedicate to inhalation, airway clearance and exercise. So my average day looks like I get up at five o'clock in the morning and I do a nebulizer, a nebulized antibiotic. And then I drive to work, get to work early and exercise before work. And then I have my day at work, come home, uh, now I, I have family time, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon. Uh, but then at some point before dinner, I will do another three nebulizers. One is uh, hypertonic with an aerobeaker um, attached to it. Then I do another nebulized antibiotic and then I do pulmazine after that. If I was to put it all together, I know you asked sort of three separate things, but if I was to put the, all of the nebulized stuff with the chest clearance and the exercise together. Uh, I'm looking at about two hours a day spread out over those times there. Yeah. So what you haven't identified is because you use exercise so diligently, you use exercise as a form of airway clearance for your second airway clearance. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I'm definitely more productive after I exercise. Yeah. All right. So you get the halo for actually achieving the gold standard. And I guess as a reflection of that, we haven't talked about your lung function and where that currently sits. Yes. And we haven't talked about your mutations that you have because these days everyone is a lot more um, involved in knowing about their mutations. So if you could just actually tell the audience with your cystic fibrosis what you 
actually sit at with your lung function and then the mutations that you actually have. Yeah, so Robin, um, I'm really blessed uh, with my lung function. So I think because mum and dad did so good with me um, from an early age, it preserved a lot of my lung function. When I was about 21, my lung function peaked at about 90%. And then um, I am 37 now. And my lung function uh, on average uh, goes between 85 and 90% as an average, uh, although it does fluctuate. Um, it can have drops down lower than that, which require rescue antibiotics or in the past, you know, go in for tune-ups and things like that. But as a sort of an average where I I generally sit when I'm well, um, I'm looking at sort of the 85 to 90% uh, range there. Uh, So I'm aware how unbelievably blessed I am that my lung function has not taken the typical trend of the slow decline that occurs. And, um, you know, through lots of ups and downs and different things that have gone on, it still seems to be sitting in the place that it was when I was 21. I'm classified as the, the double delta 508 mutation. Maybe we're, we're heading towards there. I haven't gone on Trikafta uh, yet, um, but I hope to be at some stage in the, in the future. Yeah, and so, um, Sam, I guess a lot of people by this point are on some form of modulator therapy, but to date you're not on any modulator therapy, are you? No, no, not yet. Um, although, you know, I obviously look look forward to that, but um, the way I see it is I'd, I'd like to maximise my lung function and health with what I'm doing and, you know, whenever Trikafta comes along, uh, that's a bonus but I want to be consistent doing the right thing without it um, as well. Yes, and um, once again, you are incredibly disciplined and um, driven and this has helped you to achieve very high levels. And this is where I segue into saying this is why you must have become a physio because all physios are very incredibly driven. And and like to achieve at a high level, but no. Please tell us what made you go into physiotherapy as a profession, and how you've evolved in your physiotherapy. Well, I'm I'm sorry, Robin. I'm going to disappoint you. I don't have a really good reason why I went in. Um, I think um, I, I had a really good experience with physios when I was young, and they were always super fun. And so that was a positive experience. But I remember when I was in Utah, I had no idea what I wanted to do. All I knew is that I wanted to achieve highly. And then I looked at the um, the course guides. And to get into physio, you needed like in Queensland, it's like an OP1. In New South Wales, you needed an ATAR of like 98. And I was like, gee, that's achieving highly. <laughs> oh, physio was they were pretty cool when I was young and they liked sport. I like that too. So why don't I do that? <laughs> and so that's probably the reasoning. I didn't actually have a really good, deeply thought out philosophical reason that it was pretty, pretty superficial. 
And then um, as I've gone along, uh, I just I think I've probably found a niche area in physio that keeps me away from sick people generally. Um, there was a while there that I was like, why did I do physio? There's all these sick people. I'm in a hospital. I don't like going to hospitals anymore. <laughs> and uh, that probably transitioned me to the community. Mm. And actually there was one time I was working in ICU and I caught MRSA. Yeah. And um, I was just like, what have I done? Like, why did I do this? But um, thankfully, with the help of you guys, I was able to get rid of it and find a, a safe area in the community, which is probably why I ended up in Falls and Balance. Yeah, and it brings up a really interesting point that you've got there, the safety of you and your health and making the choices so that you have the capability to use your skill base but in a, in a safer environment for yourself. Absolutely. And it's it's one of the extra things to consider with cystic fibrosis. And many people are drawn to health mm. with um, having been so familiar with it. So I was interested to see. And no, I didn't think it was going to be because of us in the hospital. <laughs> Um, I did think it was going to be the sport. So it's okay, Sam. I'm all okay with that. <laughs> so, right, moving right along now, Sam, we're going to segue and change change beat a little bit. So we move into what is a lovely part of your life, which is when you met your beautiful partner, Tamara, and how did that impact on you? Because you had been so disciplined with everything that you were doing in your life, your study, your health management. How did that impact when you met Tamara? Well, Tamara is actually a nurse as well. So she has an understanding of what's going on and, um, you know, she cares about me deeply. So she like cracks the whip on me with my health more than I ever do. Um, yeah, she's all over me like a rash and if I miss stuff, yeah, she's really good from that perspective. Keeps me um, even more diligent than I would normally be um, otherwise. You know, being having a relationship is an added uh, complexity to life. It's a beautiful complexity, um, but it's an added one and it takes up time. And I just think uh, over time you just have to find a way to negotiate. We found a way to negotiate the relationship and the time and logistics of it all in a way that uh, allowed my health to still be a priority. And Tamara always says to me that my health is my number one priority um, because you know, she wants me around. She wants me around to be with Caleb mm -hmm. and I can't be around if we don't prioritise my health. So um, that's that's our little, you know, saying that she's got, your, your health is your number one priority. So um, thankfully, uh, and, and this is, you know, I'm so thankful to Tamara for that because it comes at a cost to her, you know, me going away and spending two hours doing my treatments a day, like that, that takes time out of now family time. Um, and giving her a break and things like that from looking after Caleb. But thankfully she's very kindly um, and generously allows me to continue to do that. Yeah. And 
that is so, so important. And I think everyone forgets it's not just the mums that need the time to dedicate to their health. Mm. It's also dads with cystic fibrosis that need to be able to do that balance. And I always say to the mums, and I'm a bit remiss at saying it to the dads, that we need to put your health at the top of the tree and then with you putting yourself at the top of the tree, you then are there mm. for your beautiful family. And that health and wealth cycle for you is so very important, but you understand that and you are so very disciplined with that, which is amazing. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. Sam and Robin, thank you for joining me in the studio tonight. Sam, we're so grateful to you for sharing this part of your journey living with CF. I can't wait for the next chapter and more of your experiences in navigating fatherhood with CF. The juggle and the challenge of prioritising all the things in your life that bring you joy. This podcast has been made possible through the support of Cystic Fibrosis Tasmania and a Circle of Care grant from Vertex Pharmaceuticals. This series has been a collaboration with CF Strong and CFVideo.com bringing to you some insights from adults with CF sharing part of their journey navigating life with CF. You can find this podcast and more on cfvideo.com or CF Strong or your favourite podcast platform.